Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who he's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you for this time. It's our prayer, Lord, that you would guide this uh, devotional, that you would speak to the hearts of every listener. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your voice amidst all the noise that's going on around in our world, in our lives, that we can take a few minutes and focus all of our attention on you and your greatness. So bless this time together and let something be said to glorify your name and help us to become even more impassioned in our love for you. This is our prayer in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So today we wanted to talk about joy. Joy often gets confused with happiness. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional fruit in that it is confused with you know, feeling glad about something or a sense of expectancy, you know, when you're expecting something good to happen or something good has happened, you get excited about things and all that. Uh, But there's a huge difference between happiness and joy. So we were talking last night and I, and I, and I thought about this and I said, imagine a happy God. Imagine God with a smile on his face. Imagine the God that we all have in our mind, the image of God, it's not common to have for, for our God to have a smile on his face because he's always warring. He's always looking for something that's not right. Yeah, I, I was going to say not even necessarily warring. He's always judging. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the uh, idea that is painted by religion and society. Mm-hmm. So even like in paintings, you see like. I, I don't know the name With of the, the painting. Yeah, yeah, where he's in heaven and his hand is stretched out, mm-hmm. but he's got such a serious. like serious, pensive look on his face. Like he's just so like. But that's yeah. We have to untrain ourselves to mess myself included because, like I said, religion will make you feel like he's always looking at you that way, looking to see if you have crossed every T and dotted every I, so that you can meet his approval. Mm-hmm. When we've talked about this. For the past few weeks that no matter what we do, our righteousness will always be as filthy rags. Right. So we'll never meet his approval, you know, on our own. It would take the blood of Jesus. But I no, digress. Yeah. No, you're right, though. <laughs> and, you, and you think about it like that, like even when you think about that image, right, that image was created by a man. You know, that was that's that's a human perspective of God's default disposition. And I think we have done a disservice to ourselves um, and a disservice to even the tone of the Bible. And that if you allow the Holy Spirit to really enlighten you on God's personality and God's demeanor, you will find that God smiles a lot more than we've been taught to understand. The Bible says that God is angry at the wicked every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that anger, that anger at the wicked doesn't mean that his default demeanor is anger. The first thing that God ever did brought him great joy. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
In Genesis 1, verses 4, 10, 12, 17, 21, 31, God says it was good. When you look at that word good, it means it brought him great delight. Almost imagine God looking at what he made and smiling and saying, ah, I like that. That's good. That is God's default disposition. Taking pleasure. He took pleasure in everything that he made. Now, the amazing thing about God also is God always knew that we would fail. So God is not surprised by anything that has happened. Also, he wouldn't be God. But yet God, taking into consideration everything that he knows, foreknows, foreknew, predestined eternally, God said it was good. And the reason why God can say it was good, because God always has a good plan for it to turn out apparently good to us. If I was to kind of put joy into a definition, I really tried to like think about what a good definition of joy would be. This is what I came up with. So this is my definition. This is not like Schofields or anything like that. But this is just my perspective on 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 what joy is. So I'd imagine joy to be a foretaste of the delight or gratification that results from a predetermined outcome despite current conditions. So another way to say that is it can be almost seen like a prophetic sense of satisfaction or elation, or as you said last night, an assurance of victory. Mm -hmm. So basically joy is that sense of elation, satisfaction, gratification that goes ahead of your struggle, that goes ahead of your affliction, that goes ahead of your issue, that peeks through while you're going through it. At, for, for those of you that are movie heads or movie buffs, I mean, I can't think of a particular one at the, t- at the moment, but you know those, those movies where there's always a fighting scene, like, you know, like those medieval type mm-hmm. movies where, where they're fighting and they're on a battlefield. And sometimes the, the key person will get a flash, not a flash back, but like a flash forward mm-hmm. of what's going to happen while they're in it fighting. Yeah. And they may be losing or they may be like at their last and they all of a sudden get a flash forward of the battle being over, them being victorious or whatever that flash forward right. is. Right. And it, it gives them another strength or a second wind and it causes them to continue to fight because yeah. they know at the end of all of this, all of this blood, sweat, tears... I'm going to be victorious. So that means I can go through it so I can get to the other side. And then they start getting happy. Yeah. Yeah. But see, that's the thing, too. See, the difference, the main difference between happiness and joy is happiness is, is based on what you're feeling now, what you expect now. It's one of those present fleeting emotions. Joy manifests itself best in affliction in struggle. In problems, because joy does not come from your perspective. It comes from what God knows, not from what you know. Mm. So God gets excited for you, in you, about what you're going through. So in order for us to, to, to kind of, I guess, prove that God's demeanor is more joyful, happy, delightful, smiling than we um, have been trained to believe, I wanted to just share a couple instances where God takes pleasure or God takes joy. What does God take joy or pleasure in? 
I said in the beginning, he takes pleasure in his creations. That's seen in Genesis 1. He takes pleasure in those who respect, revere, and hope in him. So God gets excited when you hope in him. God gets excited when you respect him and you revere him. This is Psalms 147 and 11. That makes God smile. God takes pleasure in showing mercy. Oh, see, that's crazy, right? God takes pleasure. Like God wants to show mercy because he knows how much God he is. God understands how holy he is. His default position is not to come down with the lightning bolts. God is long suffering. God delights in showing mercy. That is Micah 7, 18. Psalm 35, 27. God delights in the prosperity of his servants. God delights in seeing you prosper. God delights in seeing you flourish, seeing you grow. In life, in your spirit, God delights seeing us successful. Also in that same verse, God also delights in those who favor his righteous cause. So God delights in all of those who stand up for him. He delights in those who choose to go the way God is saying to go, despite social climate, despite what the world says. Those who want to go against the grain and herald what God is saying, God smiles and delights and takes great pleasure in those people. God delights in the death of his saints. The Bible says precious to the Lord are those who die in him. So even in this season where so many people have been passing away and all this stuff has been happening, those who die in faith, the Lord gets delighted in that. Like, hey, you made it. You, you survived this hard world and you, you brought me with you. We lived this life together. We had a relationship. Come into my joy. Now you're going to come into the fullness enter, of what I've always yes, had. Enter into the joys. Into the joy of the Lord. God also delights and he takes pleasure in giving good gifts to those who ask. Some of us may love giving gifts and that may be the gift to ourselves. Just seeing the reaction of people and even our kids. We know that they wanted something and, you know, it's a surprise and they open up the gift. And that feeling of joy that you get like, Oh man, yeah. Look at them smiling. And you, you're getting delight from seeing them enjoy what you went out and got for them. God takes pleasure in obedience over sacrifice. He takes joy in his children. The Bible says in Zephaniah 317 that God sings over us. That he's so, he, he takes so much delight over us that God sings. Music comes from God. So imagine what that sounds like and the things that make you burst into song. The Bible tells us in Zephaniah 317 that the Lord delights in his children and he sings over. He rejoices over us with singing. God also takes pleasure in our faith. And before you yeah. go, sure. any, I just wanted to address uh -huh. happiness is dependent on external circumstances, but joy is dependent on what's inside. Amen. And that that is true. And that that falls in line with what we've been talking about, mm -hmm. how, again, addressing these fruit, it's not something that we are ourselves within our own power attaining right. to or aspiring to be able to express or show. These are outward signs of what is on the inside. Mm -hmm. So again, this is not our joy right. at giving gifts or our joy at, you know, what we feel like is going to happen down the road or whatever, you know, all of the, the examples you're giving yeah. of God's joy. Yeah. This is not ours. This is God's. So this is an external uh, 
display of what's going on on the inside. Amen. So happiness would be the things, like he said, that are, that are affecting us externally that would cause us to be happy. But when something is on the inside that's taking place and when you have God's spirit in you, now you can really exhibit the joy of the Lord, right? Not your joy, but the joy of the Lord, but it's internal. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to reiterate. That's very good. Absolutely. So I I hope that we are seeing the dramatic difference between the two and how they are not to be confused because they're not even close to each other. They may, they may be similar in the feeling, um, but not in the knowing. It's, it's deeper. Joy is deeper than happiness in the knowing and not your knowing, but in God's knowing in you that he allows us to get a taste of. Okay. So just a couple more things that God, that gives God great pleasure and joy. He takes joy in his children. The Bible says in Zephaniah 317, that God sings over us, that he's so, he, he takes so much delight over us that God sings. Music comes from God. So imagine what that sounds like and, and, and the things that make you burst into song. The Bible tells us in Zephaniah 317 that the Lord delights in his children and he sings over. He rejoices over us with singing. God also takes pleasure in our faith because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God takes great pleasure when we just believe him. When we just say, you know what? I trust God. This is going to be okay because ain't nobody bigger than my God. Man, I'm telling you, that makes God be like, oh, you're right. That's right. Ain't nobody bigger than me. That's how you start getting into a real relationship with the Lord and your faith starts and your confidence, even in your situations, you'll start to see that peace come upon you. When you start making God bigger, your situation will become a lot smaller. And finally, and probably the most misunderstood, that God took pleasure in bruising his son. Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now it hurt the Lord, but it pleased him. It pleased him because of the outcome. It pleased him because that was the mean, there was a means to an end. And a lot of times, a lot of us are going through things that are hurtful in our lives. Even right now, this is a very, very, very difficult season for a lot of us to go through every day. You just taking it one minute at a time. You watch the news, you hear stuff, you're seeing stuff, you go to work or you're talking to people, talking to family, and you've tried to insulate yourself from news and things like that. And it just keeps coming. It's Fine. relentless in Finds this season. Finds its way to you. It will, <laughs> it will tap you. Hey, remember me? I'm here still. And if you're not actively uh, recentering yourself and actively refocusing yourself, you will fall into depression. You will fall into fear and anxiety and all these types of things. But God does not want us to be afraid. He said it. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be troubled. It wants to be. Do not allow it. I'm, I'm giving you the authority to take control over your disposition and about your, uh, over your heart to say, I'm not going to allow my heart to faint because I'm putting my hope in God. Not man, but in the Lord. So affliction, suffering, and grief often provide amazing opportunities for us to experience the joy of God. God's joy is his incentive for us to just go through to get to the other side. There are some things that we go through in our life that is the only way to the next level in our life. Mm -hmm. Like this is the only road. You're going to have to go through death. You're going to have to go through suffering. You're going to have to go through these things. But 
Count it all joy. Count it all joy. What? So, someone posted this uh, this scripture that that I want to kind of go into a little bit. And it's a very popular scripture. We've heard it. It's Nehemiah Nehemiah 8 and 10. And it says, um, and we always quote the end clause, which is, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? And many times, you know, I've looked at that scripture and we've all looked at that scripture. We've been talking about this. As you know, you need to have more of the joy of the Lord because that is the strength that you need to get through everything that you're going through. So you somehow need to cultivate or you somehow need to have this joy, create this joy of the Lord inside of you so that you can go through things and be strengthened by them. Right. As if it's something that you can generate. As if it's something that you can generate. But let's look at the scripture and let's read the whole verse. So that we can kind of see, we can broaden out the context. So this is Nehemiah 8 and 10. It says, he said to them, go and eat delicacies and drink sweet drinks and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, let's provide a little bit of context here. The book of Nehemiah is a book of struggle in the beginning. Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king and he feels called of God to go ahead and get the wall rebuilt. The wall had been destroyed and he just started to feel this urge like I got to do something to get the wall built up in Jerusalem. I got to get the wall built up. I got to get the borders built up to bring security to God's people. When people started to see the desolation of the wall and the, the situation and the schemes and things that were going on when he was just trying to do God's will. All these things are happening. And it wasn't necessarily a great time. It wasn't necessarily a, a, an exciting time. But in the context of chapter eight, the Bible says that God says to him, go and eat delicacies and drink sweet drinks and send portions for those who have nothing. Meaning celebrate in the struggle. You in a struggle? Go get some steak. <laughs> you, you, you're in a struggle? Go get something. Go eat as if everything was cool. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I hope that this is being clear in the sense that there's no reason to be happy in bad times. Humanly, you'd be lying to yourself if you were trying to, because you'd be fabricating it. It'd be like, how you doing today? And you know, all, all hell's breaking loose in your life and everything is crazy. Oh, I'm doing, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm just doing great. And, you know, we, we, we sometimes fabricate that, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Everything's good. Everything's great. And, and inside, you, you know, your voice is telling you, you know, you lying. It ain't great. But we feel that temptation to create a happiness that will validate our relationship with the Lord. And it's not real. But God gives us an opportunity through our affliction and through our struggles to be able to get genuine elation. Out of the fact that we are in an afflicted situation Mm. because there is a reason for it that we're walking through. So this scripture, if you look at it now from that perspective, times ain't good, but the joy of the Lord will give you strength. That means God's joy about the processes that you don't know are happening for your good will strengthen you. So it's, it's about God, what is, how does God see my struggle? See, is God see my struggle as a struggle or does God see my struggle as a path to victory? Yeah. You know, I'm, I, if, if you haven't noticed already, for those of you that join us every week, 
you know, I'm, I'm big on analogies and examples. I just always seem to have one. The idea or thought came to me of uh, a hairstylist, or in my case, I'm a makeup artist. So anything creative though, there's an idea that you have in your head as the creator and the person sitting in the chair, there are times where I have gone to do makeup and the person doesn't understand the process that goes in to doing mm. makeup and coming out with the finished product. Mm. So they may see my face or somebody else's face or a magazine picture and they may go, I want that. But they don't understand the process that goes into doing that. Yeah. And they may catch a glance of themselves in the mirror in the middle of the process and their body language starts to change and they get like, oh my God, Nervous. what is yeah. happening? What mm-hmm. are you doing? What is going on? You know, and it's after everything has happened and they've seen the finished product that, oh, okay, I understand what was going on. But for me as a creator, I don't get startled or rattled. If I'm in the middle of the process and it don't look the way the picture looks or doesn't look like the way it looked in my head, I'm not fearful. I'm not concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm like you say, I'm joyful because, and I'm excited because I know what's going to happen at the end. So yeah. I'm looking at the process going, I know what's happening. I know what I'm getting ready to do. Mm-hmm. So God has an end result in mind Amen. before he's even started. Mm. And for us in the process, we don't, it doesn't feel good and it doesn't, we don't understand it. So to even say that he has joy in seeing our processes does not make sense humanly mm-hmm. or naturally. But the fact of the matter is he has already destined our life and already planned it out. So if he can look at our situation and still have joys because he knows the end result before the beginning. So that was just, you know, that's an amazing to see. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I would not have thought of an analogy like that. So, I mean, that's a perfect analogy. I mean, I think for, for, for the guys who don't get their makeup done necessarily, um, that, to get a haircut, <laughs> right. And you, you go to the barber and it starts looking crazy at first, you know, uh, it's that sensation of, did you push my line back or not? And you yeah. get all nervous, but, uh, that barber, if he's your barber, he knows you. Right. You can just have a conversation with just him. Trust. But you just trust that he has already seen your line before you even knew where your line really was. Yeah. So that that's really an amazing analogy. And we need to look at God and give him a little more respect for being the God and architect of our lives. And that if he's allowing things to happen to us, it's for us. And in situations, how we can work with God is when you're struggling, Lord, give me a glimpse of what you're doing. Let me see what you're doing, Lord. Show me what you're excited about in this season. Everybody else is scared and crazy, but you're on the throne. What are you delighting about? What do you got up your sleeve, God? I want to know. And I promise you, you're going to start to rejoice in your spirit because God will start to let that joy that he has eternally drip in your heart. And you'll start to be like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you'll start to begin to worship the Lord. And that is where joy comes from. That is how the joy of God See, it's, it's, it's the joy is not something that we're fabricating. This joy is referring to the joy God is experiencing in himself. Yes. In his righteous causes and in his plans that he already knows are good. This is not us trying to create a happiness because, oh yeah, it looks like everything's going to work out. Yes. Cause tomorrow may be worse than today. Mm. But in God's mind, God gets excited because he already knows that if it gets worse tomorrow, even worse the next day, even worse the next day, ultimately, it's going to be good. Perfect example of that. Hebrews 
12, 1 through 3. Okay. Any particular? Uh, NIV is good, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, and this is in the NIV, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Hold on. Did y'all hear that? For the joy, where was the joy placed? The joy was placed where he was going. It was set before him, meaning if he went through, joy was going to intersect with him. So because there was a knowing, he endured the cross. He endured the pain that he knew he was going to feel because God knew something about the purpose that he had for him and revealed it to him in the struggle, through the struggle. And that's what I want to encourage each and every one of us. Like the fact that we know we belong to God. We must be assured that everything that happens in our life is going to turn out for our good. We must understand that. We must accept that. We must receive that. And then with that confidence, go through whatever God is allowing, once again, allowing you to go through because you're going to run into a joyful reason to get through. Hmm. So he endured the cross. And then what else did he do? Scorning its shame. Okay. So the embarrassment that came with being nailed to a cross, the feelings that would come from going through, the embarrassment, all the baggage that comes with being low, all that stuff that we feel, there's baggage that comes with suffering. There's embarrassment. There's stigmas that come with being in the season of suffering. There's a sense of, oh, well, you suffering because you, you messed up or you suffering because God is punished, whatever. All those things that people say or that you put on yourself. That's the baggage. The Bible says because of the joy that was set before him, not only did he endure the suffering of the cross, but also despised the stigma that comes with having to go through that. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And after it was all over, he had a seat right next to God. The highest seat possible because he went through. And as a result of Christ's finished work on the cross, we can have a seat too. So God gets joy in the fact that, yes, it pleases me. It satisfies me. It delights me to bruise my son because ultimately he has an assigned seat next to me. But I want my creations to have a seat, too. So if I'm going to if I'm going to go through this and allow this to happen, I'm excited because it's going to work. He's going to despise the shame, despise all the other stuff, get through it so you can get the result. And joy is God's ability to work inside of you for you to sense the goodness that was already prepared for you. Mm. First Thessalonians one and six says this, and ye became followers of us. This is Paul talking to the Thessalonians and of the Lord having watched this, received the word in much affliction and with joy of the Holy ghost. He received the word in affliction. Mm. When you're going through stuff, do not, Close your ears to the word of God, because the word of God in affliction is accompanied with joy in the Holy Ghost, meaning that when you are 
in situations and struggles and problems that you have no recourse, you have no answer, you just overwhelmed, you just struggling, you have no uh, frame of reference to, you just in despair. You get in the word, the word is now armed with the joy of the Holy Ghost to give you a glimpse of an incentive to get through. Many Bible instances where we can read, when you read about joy, it's always in suffering. Count it joy. He's saying when you tallying up good and bad, count this bad situation as a reason to be joyful because God is. And there's an invincibility that joy has. That's, I think it's so amazing. It's almost like a superpower that I'm not going to get down because the God of the future, the God of the eternal future has an eternally good plan for me that will work. And he's excited about it. So he's going to get excited about it in me while I'm in affliction. So don't run away from God's word. Don't run away from community. Don't run away from fellowship. Keep your eye on the word. Keep your mind on the Lord. And we have to create opportunities intentionally for the Lord to have an opportunity to get excited in us about what he already knows through us. Mm. What he already knows. Amen. God wants to give you a reason why you're going through. And even if it's not a verbal reason, sometimes it's a sense of you're going through, but I'm with you. You're going through, but you're going to be all right. It ain't going to be all right right now, but it's going to be all right. And he lets you feel his elation and he lets you feel his gratification. And the more we surrender our will and our understanding to God, the more he will allow us to experience how he's experiencing things through us. John 15, 5 through 11. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This goes again to confirm that Christ is the vine. The vine is not the fruit. Christ is the vine. We are the branches. We produce Christ's fruit, yes. not ours. Yes. And if you remain in me and I remain in you, then because you're remaining in me and you're keeping watch over that relationship, you're getting close to me, you're praying, you're reading, you're fellowshipping, you're growing, you're seeking after the Lord, you're striving to live according to God's law. You're staying humble in your spirit, realizing that I ain't God. I'm not God. But you're allowing God to live this life through you. He says you will bear much fruit. The bearing of fruit happens as a result of your relationship. It's not something that we can manufacture. It happens as a result of the fruit of God's life being lived in us. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, the Lord saying, you cannot bear these fruit without me. Mm. If you do not remain in me, that means you separate yourself from the Lord. God is not leaving you. We leave God. We lose out because we leave. God said he'd never leave. We're the ones that come back and forth, coming in and out of the relationship. That's what we do. Thank God for his faithfulness. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, watch this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, now you're going to be able to have the experiences of asking what you wish and it will be done for you. Now you'll be able to ask God stuff. And because you're so close to him, you'll begin to ask him stuff that he already planned on giving you. Mm. So now you're asking according to his will because you are now together with God. You spend so much time with God. We spend so much time together. I know what she wants. (laughs) 
And I know she knows what I want. So me asking her, it just helps to provoke her to give it to me sooner. For this is my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You show that you are Christ's disciples when the world can see God's fruit in your life and not yours. They will begin to see God in you and not you in you. And you become less you and God becomes more God in your life. That's good. As the father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments, I am remaining in his love. I have told you this. This is the closing verse. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 17, 13 says, but now I come to thee and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy, that my joy may be full in you. The ultimate goal of the Lord is for us to see things the way he sees them so that we can share in his excitement and his excitement about the world and about what he's done for the world and his excitement about his plans for your life amidst all the affliction and the struggle and the temptation, everything that we go through. The fruit of joy is God's joy. What God gets excited about being manifested in our life and our afflictions, our problems, our struggles. Our fears all create great opportunities for us to feel what God already knows. May we all grow to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that we may experience joy and sorrow, joy and affliction, joy and fear, joy and rejection, joy and pain, joy in the worst time of our life, joy in 2020. Because God is not surprised by 2020. God had a plan for us in 2020 for his future for us eternally. And he's excited about it. Amen. 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 So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for yet another week that you've kept us. Thank you. Lord. Another week. You've kept our minds. You've kept our bodies. You've kept our spirits. You've kept our hearts. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you for the word that has come forth today, God. We thank you for speaking to us week after week, for nudging us, for for encouraging us and letting us know you're with us to keep going. You give us encouragement to let us know we're headed in the right direction. We appreciate it. We love you, God. Thank you. Lord, we thank you even for the trials that we face because we know that they work patience within us, God. Mm. We, We know that they produce the things the characteristics of you, God. So Lord, we ask that in the midst of everything that we experience and everything that we go through, that you just give us more of your spirit. Because when we have more of your spirit, we're able to exhibit love and we're able to have your joy and we're able to have your peace, God. So Lord, I pray now that you would just give us even more of your spirit, oh God. I pray for every single person that joins us week after week, God. Yes. I pray for our strength in this season. Yes. I pray for our comfort, comfort the hearts of your people, God. When death is all around us yes. and there's there's tribulations, Lord, I pray for the comfort of your people. I pray that your joy yes. would be our strength. Yes. That we would not fall back on our own power or our own strength, but Lord, let your joy be our strength. 
We thank you and we praise you and we love you. Yes, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.